This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network. And if you'd like to find out all the great programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, just visit www.xzbn.net. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is a gentleman we've had the pleasure of having on the show many times in the past. His name is L.A. Marzuli. And he is an author, lecturer, and filmmaker. He has penned 10 books, including the Nephilim Trilogy, which made the CBA bestseller list. He received an honorary doctorate for the series from his mentor, Dr. I.D.E. Thomas, who was the provo at Pacific International University. He was also honored uh, with the Golden Medallion or uh, Award from Chuck Mice- Missler, at the uh, K-House Conference in 2014. His series on the trail of the Nephilim 1 and 2 are full-color, oversized books which um, uncover startling evidence that there was and has been a massive cover-up of what he believes are the remains of the Nephilim, the giants mentioned in the Bible. L.A. teamed up with film producer Richard uh, Shaw to create the Watcher series, there are now 10 installments in uh, the series, and Watcher 7, UFO Physical Evidence, won Best UFO Film at the People's Choice Awards at the UFO Congress in 2014. L.A. and Shaw took their second trip to Peru in January 2014, filming ancient artifacts and megalithic structures at various locations, and also filmed the unwrapping of a 2,000-year-old mummy skull at uh, Senior Juan Navarro's Parcus History Museum, which was revealed in Watchers 8. In Watchers 10, DNA, as well as his new book, Nephilim Hybrids, L.A. and uh, Shaw reveal the long-awaited DNA evidence from the Paracas skull. His website is www.lamarzuli.net. And L.A., welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us, and congratulations on all the accomplishments that you so rightfully deserve with all the great work you're doing. Well, thanks so much, Rob. Thanks for having me here. Appreciate it. So tell me, uh, what's what's the newest in in the in the Nephilim? Those who fell from the sky or those giants? What's new? Well, there's you mentioned two books that we did, On the Trail of a Nephilim, Volume 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Um, we went down to Peru. We were on the trail. We went to places like uh, Cahokia, the Great Circle Mound. There is so much evidence of something else going on that's sort of been brushed aside and, and dare I use the word, managed, but it seems like it's a managed agenda. Um, the Ancient Alien Show, every Friday night on the History Channel, goes to many of the places that, that we've gone, and, and sometimes we get there ahead of them, and then they watch our stuff. And I, I say this sort of tongue-in-cheek, but it is true. Like you mentioned the Paracas History Museum with Brian Forrester. We put that on the map, and then the History Channel 
you know, flew Giorgio down there and, and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. No pun intended. But um, I was I was someone sent me a link with Brian Forrester and Brian was down there and at the Paracas History Museum, uh, Senior Juan Navarro, was, who actually passed away last year uh, at, at the ripe old age of around 82. But um, he had he was a lifelong amateur archaeologist and he uncovered what we now know are extremely enigmatic uh, skulls. Um, are they the redness of a Nephilim? We don't know. That is our hypothesis, but it's nothing more than a hypothesis at this moment. However, the evidence seems to be pointing that, uh, to the validity of our hypotheses, and we're excited by that. More testing needs to be done. Uh, we're in the process of, we after four years of, of paperwork and going through two archaeologists down there, uh, we finally got all of our ducks in line, and we were able to travel down uh, uh, in, in, I think, May or March, or somewhere, somewhere around that time period uh, this year, and procure 30 samples from the ICA, ICA Museum, uh, which were handpicked for us. We had no, no choice of picking the ones that we wanted to pick, but um, out of the 10 artifacts that were there, we felt that eight or nine of them uh, warranted full testing. And so those, those are actually being tested at two different labs one up in your neck of the woods in Canada and the other one here in the States. All right, L.A., please stand by. You and I have to take our first break. ExoNation, L.A. Marzulli is our guest this hour. www.lamarzulli.net is his website. And we'll return on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, starting October 15th, the Exxon TV channel will be live and 724-365 on Simul TV. For more information on that, visit www.simultv.com. We'll be back. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Is it science or is it magic? Once a magical thing has been scientifically proven, is it no longer magic? Or is magic simply the science of tomorrow? Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, on The Science of Magic a syndicated radio program dedicated to combining the science and magic of today's dynamic and controversial topics to co-create new solutions. 
by triangulating information from today's leading experts from the scientific and magical fields, we uncover expansive and evolutionary truths you won't find anywhere else. Join us daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, as I interview the shared thoughts with the amazing guests from both science and magic. The resulting knowledge is unprecedented. As a gift to you, the listener, past episodes can be accessed on our website free of charge at thescienceofmagic.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500 plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. www.lamarzuli.net is LA's website. And uh, tell me, Ellie, what is going to happen when the results come back? And hypothetically, well, they confirm your hypotheses that these are indeed the Nephilim. How is that going to change history? How is it going to change the world? Well, it, it would certainly point back to the, to the validity of the biblical prophetic narrative, which mm-hmm. talks about the Nephilim. Um, but... Whether or not we can actually get that evidence or not is is very sketchy. What so far, the preliminary DNA, we've only been able to procure mitochondrial DNA, which is from the female, from the uh, maternal side of the equation. The nuclear DNA has been extremely elusive. Remember these artifacts, um, and we've had them carbon-14 dated, not not all of them, but some of them, are between 2,000 years old and 3,500 years old. Wow. So it's ancient DNA. Um, and it's, for instance, the baby skull that we unraveled, uh, unwrapped in Senior Juan's museum, private museum. We know exactly where it was exhumed from. We know exactly the place. There's an Acropolis. It's one of the driest places on earth and one of the most bizarre places on earth that I've ever been. It, it's a necropolis, a graveyard, but the Wakaros, the grave robbers, have been robbing this place uh, since Columbus, you know, since the conquistadors came. And uh, so when you're when you walk in there, there are acres of, of just bits of pottery and bone and, and mummy wrappings. I mean, it's it's very, very strange. And because it's sand, it looks like the Sahara and it's always shifting when the winds kick up. It's you can go back there two weeks later and not recognize kind of where you were. But there are landmarks which we use to uh, and also, you know, G, um, uh, G, GPS coordinates and all that to figure out where we are. We know the precise location where this particular artifact came from. And Senior Juan Navarro was gracious enough to allow our team uh, to unwrap this. And at that particular time, we had Aaron Judkins, who's a, uh, an archeologist, and Joe Taylor from the Mount Blanco uh, Museum in, in Texas, uh, unwrap this this little, little child with an elongated skull. The dentition, we had a, 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 a Peruvian uh, dentists come up and, and by based on a dentition figured that the child was between 18 months and 24 years old. It had blondish, strawberry blondish hair, which when the thing was unwrapped, Rob, we just, we all just took a step back and we all just went, I don't believe it. Uh-huh. We took hair samples from this mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. were tested at two different labs. Um, and this was all preliminary. Okay. And the mitochondrial DNA came back European. And there's great problems with that. Now, the skeptic will immediately, and we've already had people write hit pieces on us um, and say, well, it's got to be contamination and it's got to be this and it's got to be that. The problem I have is they never contact us. They have no idea of, of the procedures that we use. The fact that we, when we were doing this, we were all 
especially the Inca one. We were all in head-to-toe uh, suits. Everything was covered. Everything was, we had air, compressed air. We were blowing things off. Uh, we had face masks on, goggles, hairnets, double sleeves. I mean, we took every precaution possible. And, of course, there's always a chance of contamination. Mm -hmm. I get that. But the procedures that we used on the skulls, we go in with a very small drill bit to the underside of the artifact and scrape away the outer layer and then go in and get fresh material. Now, that's we were taught that from several of the labs. It's the best place to get fresh material to do and conduct DNA testing. Once it comes out, it's on a fresh piece of paper. We, we buy a ream of paper. Everybody's got double rows of or, or I'm sorry, d double pairs of gloves on, rubber latex gloves. That thing is bagged and tagged instantly. I mean instantly by Chase Klosky, who's one of our forensic uh, field experts, and she's just amazing. And it's bagged and tagged and numbered, and we have a videographer, Richard Shaw, who works with us, and he films everything. So it's all, it's very scientific. Uh, it's all above board. It, there's no, you know, hoax thing happening mm -hmm. here or magic. It's, it's just we go where the evidence takes us. Yeah. And what's troubling about the preliminary DNA is that it shows a European ancestry. Why is this problematic? Because the Darwinian paradigm insists that at the end of the last ice age, people came over the Beringian land bridge, which is that, that stretch of waterway now, the Bering Strait. But thousands of years ago, it was a land bridge. So the theory is, is that they, uh, people came over from, from Asia. And I get that. Some people did come over from Asia. We're not disputing that. But we're saying that the hypothesis is this, that 3,500 years ago, according to the biblical prophetic narrative, when Joshua and Caleb pressed uh, the war into the Levant or the promised land, the Nephilim tribes, there's that word again, the Nephilim tribes were there. And there's more than one. There's the, there's the Imams, the Zanzumims, the Nephilim, the Raphaim, the Anakim, which means long necks. And it seems to, at least in theory, it may denote different genetic characteristics in these different tribes. Now, we don't know that. Again, that's our hypotheses. That's why we're on the trail. For instance, there's been very large skeletons uncovered in the Middle East and in our country, too. When my work in Catalina Island showed uh, two nine-footers right out here, 26 miles from Los Angeles. That's not supposed to be there. And that's another story we can get into it later. But why it's problematic is that a European ancestry should not be there. It just shouldn't be there. But our hypothesis has always been that when 3,500 years ago, when Joshua and Caleb pressed the war into the Levant, these tribes fled as they were being literally annihilated. These hybrid entities, which are, in, in my opinion, and this is goes back to the biblical narrative, the offspring of the fallen angelic hosts and the women of Earth. So the mitochondrial DNA showing European and in some cases Middle Eastern ancestry ties right back into our hypotheses. So, you know, we've got two archaeologists, uh, anthropologists, we've had medical doctors, we've had uh, just a, a whole host of people examine the artifacts, examine the evidence. Um, and hopefully once we get the testing back um, from the 30 samples, we will be holding a, a formal press conference in Dallas, providing, of course, that you know, the information is what we hope it's going to be. So far, the preliminary evidence seems to be pointing in that direction, but it's too early to tell. I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you, and all these questions are going through my mind. <laughs> like, like, oh my, you know, it's, what's going to happen to the Vatican? <laughs> Nothing will happen to the Vatican. Uh, you know, that's they've they've sort of held on to the party line, however loosely for, yeah. for you know uh, 1600 years whatever it's i just go back to the biblical prophetic narrative which talks about it all goes back really to genesis 3 and you probably know the scripture most people know the story but it sets up the rest of the bible and unless a person understands genesis 3 15 i'm just giving you an address here then we don't understand what the nephilim is and, and basically it's this you got these two fictitious and quotes characters adam and eve Mm -hmm. People can believe that. They cannot believe it. Not even going to discuss it. It's off the table. All right. The bottom line is they're there in a garden. Everybody's screwed up. The serpent is there. And God comes down and he says this. Your seed, pointing at the serpent, will be at enmity, at war with the seed of the woman. He, 
meaning the fruit from the, from the woman, the, 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 from the, the, basically from the seed of the woman. He will crush your head, you will bruise his heel. It's the first prophecy that we have of someone, the Messiah, who's going to change all this thing around. But we know it's going to be a seed war. Now, that, that's thousands of years old, that particular scripture, thousands and thousands of years old. And yet it sets up the rest of the biblical narrative. There is a seed war which is happening. And if that's so, do we see evidence of that? And in my opinion, it is global evidence. And I have visited since the last time I was on your show, which I think is about eight years ago. I'm not sure. But I have visited numerous places that you just sit there and you go, there's no way people built this thing. Based on your travels, based on the, the work that you've done over the past eight years since you've been on the show, what has been the smoking gun that you have found in archaeology and in buildings throughout history that says these were not built by humans? I mean, besides the pyramids. That's a really great question. There's a place, and I've been to it several times now. Mm -hmm. It's in mm -hmm. Peru. It's, it's in Cusco. It's called Sacsayhuaman. And it's a megalithic site. What I mean by that is the, the stonework... Um, is, is andesite, which is seven on a Mohs hardness scale, 10 being a diamond. So it's very, very hard stone. It's quarried 45 miles away at a lower elevation. Cusco is about 12,000 feet above sea level. So when you, you, when you, you, you basically take off from Lima, which is sea level, and you know about 45 minutes later, you land in Cusco. And, and the landing strip flying in there, you're in the Andes, it, it's, it's hairy. The plane makes some really interesting twists and turns to get to the airport. And uh, it can get bumpy and everything else. But you get off that plane, you're at 12,000 feet. And we take altitude pills for that. And so we acclimate ourselves for about 48 hours ahead of time. So it doesn't hit us like a sledgehammer when you get off the plane. So we're in Sacsayhuaman. This site is megalithic. It's ancient. It's old. And these stones are polygonal. What I mean by that, they're not square. And no, no two stone is alike. No two are. And some of these things weigh 50, 60, 80, 120 tons. Wow. And, and it's, it's, it's done with a technique that we call in modernity ashlar construction. There's no mortar. No mortar at all. And the stones are shaped polygonally. So let's say you've got five or six different sides. Then the stones that go on top of that fit absolutely perfectly and they've been that way for thousands of years so this is what's problematic the mainstream archaeologist and tour guide will tell you that the inca built it and so if i were a billionaire i would do the la marzulli Waman challenge i would bring in the best stone masons <laughs> give them copper chisels and show me okay guys quarry the stone bring it up here build 20 feet of wall take as long as you like i don't care i'll pay you whatever you want here you go endless money let's see if you can do it and I would, I'd be willing to bet that very quickly with copper chisels and the fact that the quarry is 45 miles away, the fact that there are no beasts of burdens in antiquity in Peru, all they have is a llama. There, are, there is no horse or anything else um, in the area until uh, the conquistadors show up. And it's, it's just, it's impossible, absolutely impossible to carve and cut andesite. And when I've shown these pictures to... Um, not archaeologists, but stonemasons, architects, builders, engineers, they laugh very nervously. And some of them will come on the record and just shake their head and shrug their shoulders and basically say, you know, I, I know what the mainstream archaeologists are saying, but as an engineer, you'd have trouble doing this in modernity with lasers and diamond saws and cranes and huge trucks and everything else. You could do it. You could do it in modernity, but at what cost? Now, those tools didn't exist in, in, in the pre-Inca era. So what are we looking at here, Rob? I mean, what is it really? What's, and, you know, as far as I know, just like, you know, with the Paracas skulls getting back to that, no one has done DNA testing on it. Now, we, we were told five years ago, oh, yeah, we've done DNA testing. Well, we, our archaeologist actually ex talked to one of the archaeologists who supposedly did it. Yeah, he had one or two skulls from the Paracas area. And we asked, well, did you have any elongated skulls? And he couldn't answer that. So the DNA study 
is not on the Paracas skulls. This may actually be the first formal study that's ever really been done on, on the Paracas people, who, by the way, show up about 3,500 years ago, and no one knows from where. All right, L.A., I hate to do this to you, my friend, but we've got to take this hard break. Exonation, L.A. Marzulli is our special guest, and L.A. and I will be back on the other side of the news as we continue hearing the Exon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Ancient prophecies, legends, and current events indicate we're entering a high-frequency era supporting enlightenment. During expansive times, old rules fail, necessitating access the ever-shifting currents of life for guidance. There's an ancient form of shamanism through which we can obtain the information we need. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School, with a great new provision for those interested in spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow is an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes designed to guide and support you and your family during these times of transition. Embrace the magic. Empower your life. Study Galactic Shamanism at findyourpathhome.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, 
Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back, everyone. Ellie Marzulli is our special guest, www.lamarzulli.net. And uh, why hasn't this DNA test been done before, L.A.? I, I can't tell you. Um, uh, pos- possibly funding. I remember there's a, there's a museum in Lima. Mm-hmm. It's called the Huyo Teo Museum. And he's like the, the father of arche- uh, Peruvian archaeology. Um, he's, the actual, the, he's the one that actually quote unquote, discovered the Paracas and sort of put that on the map. And I went and we had a private um, sit down with the uh, which then which the then director of of the museum. And this woman, I asked her through our interpreter, I said, has any DNA testing been done on the Paracas skulls? And she said no. And I I looked at the, the team and we all just looked at each other in absolute disbelief. It took four years and lots of money and lots of paperwork to actually get the official permission to go down and take the samples. And, you know, we're just starting. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. want to do a proper archaeological dig in the Chongos necropolis because that hasn't been done since Julio Teo did it back in the late 20s, early 30s. So, you know, so much information uh, is awaiting, so much discovery. And it costs, obviously, it costs money to do all this, but. We, we, we're crawling. First, we've got to show them what the DNA testing is. And based on that, then we go to hopefully they will allow us to do a formal archaeological dig in the Chagos necropolis. There's no telling what we might find there. Is it possible that the reality uh, of these remains are known and that someone somewhere does not want the truth to come out? We've thought about that. That's a rabbit trail. Um, it's speculation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, uh, in my opinion, based on what we found out in Catalina, and they did the old Texas two-step to try to cover up what we found, um, which was really interesting. But by that time, it had gone viral. It was I would I appeared on the History Channel uh, in search of lost giants, and I uh, reported on the Catalina find and. Uh, the the work that I it, it was my discovery, Rob. I, fl- I flew out there. I had access to the archives, and within two hours, I found anomalous skeletons, elongated skulls, six finger giants. It was all there in the photographs, hidden away in a museum box, tucked away in a vault. And I published this in the book on the Trail of Nephilim, Volume Two. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. some of that stuff just went viral. And we had the skeleton examined by three different people. What I mean by that, there was a photograph of Ralph Gooden standing in a recently excavated grave. In front of him is a large, very large skeleton. Three people looked at the photograph and digitized it. And based on the height of Ralph Gooden that we knew, for a certainty it was five foot eight, uh, all three people, all three texts put the thing at just around nine feet. Slightly, right around nine feet, one person put it at nine foot three, eight foot nine. So we rounded it off basically to eight foot nine inches. We were conservative. We could have been sensationalistic. Yeah. You know, nine foot three scale. We rounded it down to eight foot nine, which is a really big guy, just absolutely huge. We found two of them. We found six fingers. We found elongated skulls. So we go back to Catalina Island mm-hmm. to go back to the museum and shoot there for one of our watchers series. We walk into the museum, and I'm not making this up. There's the picture that I discovered, but it's been blown up, put up on the wall, and underneath it's a hit piece on Ralph Glidden, basically calling him a, a grave robber and a very disparaging, unfavorable uh, byline on, on old Ralph Glidden. And, you know, this is 1919, so everybody needs to take a deep breath, okay? But the bottom line is what they did, Rob, is they cropped the giant out of the picture. And we've got pictures of that, which I have in my studio. I'm looking at it right now. They cropped the giant skeleton out of the picture. And of course, we took photographs and that went viral. It's like, why are they hiding this? And the last time I checked, which is now over a year ago, 
um, they they put the right picture up. So I haven't been back there, so I don't know. But that just came to me uh, from a close friend who visited the island several months ago. So, you know, what are they hiding? Yeah. Why? But, why won't they show it to the public? But here you have pictures. But what about the actual bones? That's a three-hour conversation. That's why we're on the hunt. We are literally on the hunt. We know, um, and I, I, I can't tell you how many goose trails I've been on and how many false starts and how many almost, well, you missed it by 10 years type of thing, you know. Um, we were up at a place called Flint Ridge, all right, up in Ohio. Very old, ancient place. Some of the most high-quality flint came out of these pits, and, and, and Native Americans traded, but something else was, was traded also. Uh, we talked to a man who found a 40-pound maul. The mauls were used to break up the flint beds in the smaller pieces. But a normal human being can't lift a 40-pound maul over his head in, in a utilitarian fashion hour after hour after hour. I mean, you can do it a couple of times. I mean, I get that. Uh, most mauls are about 10 to 15 pounds. That's what you can throw it down with a force that breaks up the flint. 40-pound maul. And in, in the course of, and I, this is actually on a YouTube video I did, on the, in the course of talking to this guy who, was, who had a flint, uh, a, a flint bed up there and a backhoe, and he actually makes replicas, and some of these replicas he makes sell for ten dollars to $15,000, he told us his story. He said, oh, yeah, about 20 years ago, a farmer was, uh, you know, dug up one, and it was a, a 10-footer. Right, right over there, like, you know, a couple of miles away. And I said, what happened to the skeleton? Oh, you know, he called the museum and they came and took it away. I can't tell you how many times we've heard that story. Uh, we were on two archaeological digs in Ohio on private property. Uh, we found a lot of artifacts, a lot of arrowheads. One, one in particular, the Flowers Mound, uh, was very enigmatic, extremely enigmatic. And we're still not sure what we were looking at there. We've had several archaeologists out to the site uh, to look at it. Uh, there were no human remains found. And if you, we do find human remains, there's a, a protocol that we have to follow. You immediately call the coroner. The coroner comes out uh, and he'll say, well, this is historic. This is ancient. And then the archaeologists come out. And at that point, we bring in our Native American liaison to you know, talk about all this. Because there's, there's all this tension between the Native Americans who insist that, that everything is Native American. And we're saying we all, a lot of it is. But in the Native American oral tradition, in many of the tribes, they talk about killing nine, 10, 12 foot giants with six fingers and red hair who were cannibals. It's in their oral tradition. Everything from the Cherokee to the Algonquin to the Lenai and the Lenape out into the Navajo. It's all there in their oral tradition. So it's a twofer. When we try to you know, do all this, we've got a team of people and we've got Chief, Chief Joseph Riverwind who's a Chiano war chief who acts as our liaison uh, between our team and the Native Americans to try to say, hey, we're not, we're not trying to dig up your uncle. This is something else entirely different. Wouldn't you think the, 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 the rest of academia as well as the, the government would want to get involved, would want to give you guys the funding you need in order to work on this? No. Why? <laughs> Um, because what's at stake here, and we know this, I have, I have article after article after article, there are hundreds of them, mm -hmm. from the turn of the last century, from the 19th into the 20th century. The Smithsonian Institute, um, the Smithsonian Institute sent out teams, two or three or four people, they sent out teams where all these little sideshows and museums were, and they, they took the skeletons, and people who found the skeletons would call the Smithsonian, they would come out and they were never seen or heard of again. It's just not there. Um, which, you know, that gets into the whole conspiracy thing. But it's one thing to read one article like that. It's another thing to have article after article after article, eyewitnesses, doctors, lawyers, men of letters from the last century telling you exactly what they saw. Let me tell you something, Rob. This is with a tenured professor who teaches archaeology at a major university in this country. So I said to this person, I said, well, what do you make of this testimony from a doctor around 1921 who states, now it's a medical doctor, so anatomy hasn't changed in the last 100 years, hello? And the doctor goes on record saying that this skeleton 
must have been at least based on based on the measurements, based on the femur and what they had to work on, at least 12 feet. This tenured archaeologist told me the medical doctor could, didn't did not know how to measure. I'm not making this up. That that was the response from from the academic that that medical doctor did not know how to measure. And that's what we hear. So getting back to the Paraka skulls, yeah. this is why it's a multidisciplined uh, effort that we're doing. Not only do we have archaeologists, but we have anthropologists, we have medical doctors, we have dentists looking at this, we have just a, a bevy of people from all different disciplines looking at these artifacts and weighing in on them. I can't understand why any of this would be suppressed in the first place. So there were Nephilim. So the Bible was right. So where are they now? What happened to them? How did they disappear? What could we learn from ancient history that we can apply to today that would make this a better world? What am I missing here, L.A.? Well, what the world runs on Darwin. The Darwinian paradigm is the worldview which is embraced exclusively by both the academic community and the scientific community. That, that is the Darwinian paradigm. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. I mean, that's what, that's what the world, that's the default worldview. That's it. And so by proving the validity of a supernatural mm -hmm. element, that opens up a can of worms because in the Darwinian paradigm, there is no room for the supernatural. So there's a all out effort to keep people away from looking in my opinion, mm -hmm. at the supernatural, which is what the Bible, the Bible is a book about the supernatural interfacing with the natural world. Big time. That's really yeah. what it is. Big time. But, you know, it seems like that when this is proven, it's going to be another, you know, another black eye for academia and science, and like not as if there there hasn't been any throughout history. Let's just take a look at Christopher Columbus. Academia still teaches today that Christopher Columbus discovered the Americas, and we know that's not true. Right. So why not teach the truth? Why not bring the truth forward? So you've got a mistake. That's what erasers are made for. That's what a backspace is made for. That's what the word delete is for. Why all the secrecy? So they screwed up. They learned. We know for a fact that each and every day changes are made to what we believe based on the newer ways of investigating and researching. So why can't academia get on track with this? Um, I have. I really have no answer to that. I mean, I. I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't get it either. All I know is that uh, you know we're on the trail. We're doing yeah. real hard scientific research, and when we get the results, we will publicize them. We will make them, you know, we've got sure. one of the archaeologists will write a peer review paper, um, and we'll all add our two cents to that, and um, we're off to the races. Whatever the evidence tells us, that's what we'll print. All right, Ellie, I'm glad you're doing this. You know, somebody's got to keep... Uh keep the world in check and if you can you know, you're it's if you can do this my hat is off to you you've done a lot of hard work on this and you've brought up a lot of very interesting points so please stand by la marzulli is our guest exonation www.lamarzulli.net and we'll both be back as we wrap up this hour here in the exon on the other side of this break from our broadcast center here in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, check out www.xzbn.net for all the programs we have available for you, 724-365. And coming on October the 15th, the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Don't go away. is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet, viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family. 
Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow are a series of online adult and children's lessons instructing your entire family on natural law, how to cooperate with and be supported by the powers of the universe. Visit findyourpathhome.com to find these unique and powerful classes. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time? Study coincidences with me, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on my Connecting with Coincidence radio show here on the XZBN network. Listen to Jungians theorize, statisticians randomize, true believers evangelize while I categorize. I dance to the rhythm of coincidences. People who experience me see more of them. Maybe something on the show matches a thought in your mind. Let us know. Expand your mind to the weirdness happening around you. Synchronicity spoken here, there, and everywhere. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine and find my website, my social media sites, and my blog. truth. Historically, we viewed things as either being true or false. Now as we enter a more expansive era, we find the question is not, is it true, but rather, how true is it? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, host of the Science of Magic Radio, a syndicated, internationally broadcast radio program dedicated to uncovering this ever-expanding truth. Join me daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, as I interview today's leading experts from the fields of science and magic to uncover the hidden truth between the lines drawn in the sand. What we unearth in our discussions is not only amazing, but totally unprecedented. You won't want to miss a single episode. In service to our listeners, past episodes can always be found on our website with our compliments at thescienceofmagic.net. L.A. Marzulli is my special guest this hour, www.lamarzulli.net. And uh, first of all, uh, L.A., great having you back on the show. Congratulations on all your hard work, your awards, your your television work. And uh, I, I had a thought as I was coming back with my water. If science and academia is able to suppress what little we know that they have been able to suppress. What are some of the other things they're suppressing? What part of the truth don't we know? Uh, that's a very loaded question, and probably we could talk on that for like three hours. Um, look, everything, it's a managed agenda. You mentioned Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, let's say in the Ohio Valley, Um, and in Lake Michigan area, where the copper fields are. Tons of copper were removed from those those mines. 
tons of copper and it went missing. No one knows what happened to it. I believe it went over the new world. In Ohio, uh, you've got mounds, you've got mound complexes, which are absolutely astounding. And Cahokia, the largest earthen mound um, in the Americas. I mean, it's huge, absolutely huge. And it begs the question, there's a 40 acre plaza in front of that mound in Cahokia. I've been there, I shot film there. I haven't done anything with the film yet, but we will soon. There's a 40 acre plaza in front of that huge earthen pyramid. It's level to within two or three inches. How's that done? How's that done in the ancient world? Or they've got chert or flint hose. How's that done? Now, you know, they were, there's, a, there's a clip in the museum and it shows a, a modern day tool maker uh, taking a rock and chipping the flint and creating a hoe. I get that. And then they wrap the hoe up with deer hide and they bring it out, you know, into a field, but the field's already plowed. So it's not really a true assessment of what that hoe can do or cannot do. And how do we, how does an ancient people level a 40 or a 45 acre plaza? How's that done? How is that done? How is it in the Ohio Valley, right? In, in Ohio, in Newark, Ohio in particular, the Newark Earthworks, it's a henge. And a henge is a mound work, which is surrounded by a waterway in the inside, all right? Or it can be also be on the outside. The Newark Earthworks, there's a henge on the interior. And at one point in time, when, it, when the site was active, that interior moat filled with water. It is acres and acres and acres. The distance of the circle, which by the way is pretty much perfect, is over <laughs> 1,225 feet. Give you an idea, it's, it's huge. That Absolutely is huge, right? huge. How did they level that? How did they make the moat so the moat would all fill up equally all at the same time and become level? How did they do that? Without transits, without, without anything, without any of the tools that we have in modernity. And some of these walls that create this great circle mound at the entrance used to be two serpent heads. Those serpent heads are gone now. But there used to be two serpent heads at, at the entrance to this site. There was also an altar area, which is still there, where the archaeologists found human remains, which means that sacrificial stuff was done on that altar. And, and no one knows who built the place. When, when the early explorers get there and they ask the First Nation people, well, who did this? And they go, we don't know, it was here when we got here. So the archeologist creates this mysterious people called the Hopewell, who <laughs> we have no idea who they are. But that's, Hopewell was a farmer and artifacts were found on his farm. So they named these artifacts after Mr. Hopewell. So this is the Hopewell culture or the Adena culture that built all these artifacts. But the bottom line is, Rob, no one really knows. Nobody knows. And they don't know how they did it. Archaeologists will tell us that they took dog sleds and, and birch bark baskets and clam shells, and they built this thing over a period of, you know, hundreds of years. And I'm looking at this thing going, you know what? Believe what you want to believe. There's no erosion. The dirt is compacted. How is that done? I mean, you know, can people do that today? Yeah, they can. But you go back a thousand, two thousand years. How was it done? How was it done? Clamshells and deer hide. I'm not buying it. Yeah. I'm not buying it. You know, it's the same thing as uh, they're still trying to tell us that uh, that the the pyramids were built by slaves. Yeah, and I find it very frustrating. I really do. I don't understand why science doesn't work better and archaeology doesn't work with academia and academia doesn't get the truth out there. I don't think there's anything to hide except the truth. And I, I concur, but people, there, there's, an, there's a managed agenda. There really is. And it's, uh, I mean, the, the, the sort of a deeper we go, mm -hmm. the more mm -hmm. we find, the more evidence points back to the validity of our hypotheses will go full circle that the Nephilim skulls or that these skulls, these elongated skulls, have genetic aberrations in them, which human skulls do not. For instance, the foramen magnum, 
and I'll end with this because I know we're getting that close to running out of time here. The spinal column attaches to the base of our skull in what's called an area called the foramen magnum. In a normal human being, that is basically in the center of the skull. So that's how we can turn our heads and look around. Mm -hmm. All of the paracas skulls that we have seen, the foramen magnum is pushed so far back to the rear of the skull that if it's any further, it's outside the skull. That's how wacky that is. And you can cradle board, you can, you know, wrap a child's head. I get that. I understand that. You can shape it. You can make it into a cone head, cranial deformation. I totally get that. But we've gone to medical doctors with this, and we've shown them cast of the skulls. And we've said, is this normal or is it a genetic aberration? And so there seems to be a genetic aberration in these artifacts. And again, that points back to the validity of our hypotheses that these are not human. There's some type of hybrid that were that was on the earth about 3,500 years ago and then died out about 2,000 years ago because the end of the Paracas culture is about 2,000 years ago. What's your hypothesis on the disappearance of the culture? Uh, they were taken out by a another advancing um, group of people who looked upon them as, and that's conjecture on my part. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is there's a, there's a researcher by the name of Maria Wheatley who did some research and Stonehenge and the long barrows around Stonehenge where they found, guess what, drum roll, elongated skulls that were all, all of these skulls showed blunt force trauma to the left side of the skull. Down in Paracas, there's a killing field that we discovered. Um, it, it probably will not be there too much longer because a roadway has interrupted the site and now the squatters come in and stake it off. So though I was down there, like I said, in earlier this year and we went to the site and we saw it, but it's already been staked out and I'm sure it will be there too much longer. We found 50 to 60 elongated skulls, all showing blunt force trauma to the left side of a skull. Oh my gosh. It's a killing field. It's a mass grave. So what's next for you and your team? Well, I'm working on Fatima, the, uh, the 100th year anniversary of the so-called Miracle of the Sun, which took place in 1917, uh, is just a few days away, October 13th. Uh, Fatima won the film Miracle of the Sun or a Harbinger of Deception is out. You can go to thewatchmanchronicles.com, thewatchmanchronicles.com, or the main site, lamarzuli.net, and you can watch the trailer. But I'm working on uh, the second installment, Fatima 2. Wow, 100 years already. Anything thrilling or exciting that the listeners can look forward to seeing? I mean, without I think, spoiling it. I think Fatima 2, uh, again, we show some very, very interesting tie-ins to what I would call uh, definite connections to the modern UFO phenomena, which, you know, continues, in my opinion. And uh, having seen two of them myself yeah. and, uh, you know, and other people... Uh, the other film that we did is In Their Own Words, where we traveled around the country and, and got on film people who had encounters, everything from orbs to lights in the sky to missing time, the whole nine yards. It's an hour and 37 minutes, and that's also available at my website. In Their Own Words, UFOs are real. I'll send you a free copy. Hey, I appreciate that. Listen, uh, qu we've got about a minute left, uh, L.A. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. Let's let's do this more often. Eight years is way too long. Sure, my way pleasure. I, I, I respect you. I respect your work. And um, my final question to you is, are we any closer to UFO disclosure? I think soft disclosure is happening all around us. Fox News uh, came out with something. I show this in one of my presentations. Um you know, basically saying that UFO sightings have reached an all-time high, mm -hmm. thousands mm -hmm. and thousands and thousands. So something's in the works here, but something is also holding it back, in my opinion. And that's a, a long, involved uh, conversation. Maybe we can have at a later date. I'd love to. And uh, we'll have to talk about the, the Fatima and a lot of the other great topics that you and your teams talk about and hopefully... The next time you're on, well, you'll be able to give us a scoop on the DNA. I hope so, too. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate uh, LA, it. LA, take care of yourself. I look forward to receiving the, uh, the film, and uh, I look forward to the next time you visit us back here in the Exxon. Until then, be safe, my friend. 
You too. God bless. God bless. ExoNation, L.A. Marzulli has been our guest this hour, www.lamarzulli.net. Now, I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. By the way, I'd like to thank each and every one of you out there for digitally downloading the August edition of the X Chronicles newspaper. It has surpassed all our other editions with 7 million digital downloads worldwide in one month. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And if you'd like to get the September-October edition of the X Chronicles newspaper downloaded, X Chronicles newspaper.com. <laughs>